Here we go. Yes. Yeah. John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show, and you are along with us for the ride. Much appreciated. And Sherry, you're starring with Lee Marvin. Have you seen The Dirty but- Dozen? Have you seen the Dirty I have not dozen? seen that. that I know it's a classic, but I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. James Brown running, dropping the bombs and all those things. One, Mickey Mouse goes in the house. Two, I don't recommend that one. Uh, i got to get a TV. Diving in the Diving in! All right. Um, so many high schools and elementary schools across the United States right after George Floyd decide, well, Let's do everything we can to possibly eradicate systemic racism. So Loudoun County Schools, Virginia, boy, they went all in. They paid a group $450,000 to come in. They educated teachers. They got rid of their mascot at Loudoun County. One of the schools was the Raiders, but they said, no, that's not right. We shouldn't use Raiders because that probably somehow involves, um, uh, I think that was somehow racist. So they flipped around. They switched around. Now they're the captains. Well, they also decided what they wanted to do. This is from the new uh, National Review and from parents that are now school uh, suing the school districts there in Virginia. What they found was when they would hand out these, uh, it, when the kids would take advanced placement exams and then National Merit Scholarship Awards and things like that, when they would do well on it, the organization would send the letter to the school district saying, these students have gotten this award. And by the way, this is emblematic of the great work that you're doing there at the school. So congratulations to you and the teachers and, you know, hand out these awards to these kids. Uh, that's the setup of the story. What's the second part? The teachers, this was in Fairfax County, Virginia. This is one particular school, but they found that there were 18 schools in four counties that had similar issues like this. So when they were given these, these, uh, I guess they're like, uh, some sort of, uh, certificate or something like that indicating that these kids had gotten this merit scholarship, right? So they went to the teachers and said, Hey, the merit scholarships have come in. You can distribute them in your classes. And the responses varied from, oh, gosh, I've got 18 kids getting a merit scholarship certificate, but 26 students, and therefore the people that didn't get one are going to feel really bad about themselves. So that teacher said, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to distribute them in the classroom. If I see the kids in the hallway then I'll give them to them, but I'm not going to do it all at once. And, you know, a couple of other people said the same thing. So what ended up happening is that a lot of these certificates never got distributed at all. They ended up in a file somewhere and Mm -hmm. parents. Not somewhere. The end the file was all the way in the back of the file room on the last shelf furthest from the door. This was all, all of this stuff came out when a, a freedom of information request was made and was a 20,000 emails back and forth. So you could see what they were doing to conspire to not give the kids the awards because they didn't want anybody to feel bad. Was that basically what you kind of get from the whole thing? Yeah. And, and the parents would say, Hey, you know, my, my, my kid got this thing. Where is it? And they said everything from, oh, there's no financial uh, recognition, meaning, you know, there's no money attached to this. Or, um, uh, we, we didn't, it was human error that we didn't distribute it. Th- these kinds of things. Well, the fact of the matter is these things do matter when kids are applying for colleges. 
colleges take a look at that. That means the kid is doing really, really well. And so therefore, maybe this, that particular national merit thing doesn't have money attached to it, but it could lead to more scholarship opportunities or more money given to a child. So it, it was just an absolute disaster. And, um, you know, they, they are now, you know, having to deal with this and having to admit that they tried to cover this up and that their mm-hmm. intention was to not have other kids feel bad because the, the, there, there were people that were superior to them in academics. The emails that were sent from one teacher to another or back to the administrator saying, yes, um, I have them, but I, I, I'll, I'll give them right in the hallway or not in the classroom because I don't want other kids to feel bad. It's like, w- what about the kids that worked, that sacrificed, that did their homework? Do they deserve some sort of recognition? And does it really hurt the other kids sitting next to them to realize, well, that kid did a lot better than I did. That kid studied. That kid did better. But no, let's all just kind of keep it on the down low so that we don't, so that others that aren't doing as well don't feel as bad because they, they do this whole equity thing, which is basically their, their equal outcome to all. You can't have an equal outcome to all. There's no such thing as equity. There's no equity in nature. The firstborn has a higher IQ than the secondborn. That's, just the way it is. You're not going to have it in nature. You're certainly not going to have it in a classroom. I think it's so unfair. I mean, I was a horrible student. Horrible. I mean, I graduated third from the bottom of my class. I, I didn't begrudge anybody that did better. I just figured they just did better. And I didn't find out I was really seriously dyslexic until I was like in senior year of high school. By that time, I'd given up. But if some kid got some award or got, got all straight A's, they weren't the ones being, huh, huh, I got straight A's and you didn't. They just were succeeding. It's so sad for fear have- that someone's going to feel bad. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You, What about the feelings of the student that cared enough to study and to apply themselves? How about their feelings? Their feelings don't count? Well, how about when you get into the real world and <laughs> if you don't perform on your job, as well as somebody else, you're going to be passed over for a promotion. Do you think? Do you think there's going to be any? Not you know, anymore. Not <laughs> anymore. Are you Two saying- days ago on Friday, or it might have been Monday, Joe Biden signed an executive order, basically saying, "Hey, everybody, it's DEI. We're all in. Every single one of the agencies are going to be accountable. You're going to have to show us." that you're hiring from the disadvantaged, you're going to have to make sure you're checking enough boxes. I looked and I, I saw it this morning and Jacob found it as well. So if a student does well and they excel and they're better than somebody else, God bless them, right? Everybody's got their gifts. Find out what they are. They do it for students when it comes to athletes. All right. Let's get things going. Start things strong. The man himself, Rocky Hansen, is committed. Christ Church honors 16 college. These kids are going on to college, and they cheer them on, and then they talk about how well they did. And going to Wake Forest, getting a scholarship. Good for you. Each one of the athletes are called out, brought up. They talk about their GPA, how well they did. This committed to play football for the Wildcats at Davidson College. There you go. Hey. 
Now, you think the kids sitting there that wasn't as big and wasn't as fast or didn't spend time in the weight room or didn't apply themselves or didn't work out enough or think that kid's feeling bad for himself? Possibly. So what lesson does that kid learn? Maybe I should try harder. Or the freshman or the sophomore sitting there watching some other kid, a senior, you know, get these kinds of accolades. Hey, maybe I could do that. Why couldn't the kid sitting next to the other kid that all of a sudden gets the Merit Scholarship Award handed to them in class and everybody cheer it could inspire the kid next to him? You know what? I'm going to try harder next time. This, this idea of removing meritocracy to get rid of somebody doing saying, well, you excelled. You got an A. You earned an A. That's yours. Congratulations. Somehow that kid getting an A hurts the other kid who got a C or a D. Doesn't make any sense. There is None. a there is um, a civil rights investigation going into this right now because uh, the analysis of the national merits uh, winners reveals seventy five percent of the semifinalists are Asian. Um, so the the lawsuit says that withholding the commended student awards has inordinate impact on Asian students, a protected minority under civil rights laws. So. Mm-hmm. They're suing over this, as they should. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those teachers and those administrators, and by the way, they also lied when they asked the principal about it last year. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, just, you know what happened? We, our staff, we were staff, we were short-staffed, and we just didn't get them in time. Then they found out that was total crap because they found out when the 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 awards were sent to the schools and the schools had it. And then when they got the freedom information request, they saw that the principals had them and basically told the teachers to just bury them, put them aside, put them in some sort of file. Some woman didn't even find out that her kid had gotten some mom didn't find out her kid had gotten the award until like a year later. Right. Because her other kid got one and she said, did my other kid get one of these? Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was an oversight. Uh, you know, they said it was that it was one time human error. Then they said it was staffing issues. And recently they've said uh, there was this is not a war on merit. Oh, please. please. That is what the superintendent has said. And so what are these kids that they they can't turn back the clock? They can't now use these as a way to get into college. I mean, chances are these kids are the best and the brightest so they will get into colleges they this is not going to overly impact whether or not they do well or whether or not they it it could have potentially tipped the scales a little bit or somewhat but i think they're all so talented they're probably all going to get into good schools and they will be eligible for some additional scholarship money here's the question doesn't change point no what happened to them but here's the question so let's just follow this progressive idea of DEI and equity, right? All outcomes being equal. At what point does the kid who would naturally apply themselves to try to get the A's just sort of pull back a little bit? There's a great story about a professor who was talking about how many people here are in favor of socialism. I think it's in college. How many people here are in favor of capitalism? And because the kids are all knuckleheads, they all love the socialism. So he does a great, you ever heard this, te- this story? He hands out some tests and the kids get A's and some kids get D's and some kids get D's and C's. Then he does another test a couple weeks later and this kid looks on and goes, uh, excuse me, I got all of these right. Why, why did I get a, why did I get a B minus? I got them all right. Right. Well, what I did is I took four of your points that I would have given you an A and I gave it to the other student who got a D to move him up to a C. 
And by the way, you that got the B, you did get a B, but I took six of your points and gave it to the kid that got the F, so you have a C. So you're basically all coming in at about anywhere between a B- and a C+. I was able to take some of your points at the top, you guys that got A's, give it to the kids at the bottom to bring them up. Well, as the teacher talks about the outcome of this, he said if he continued this experiment, what he thought would happen eventually would be the kids that got A's would do what? They would begin to either not try as hard. There or, you go. Yeah. Right. Because why? Why, <laughs> why bother? bother? Why study? Gonna, I'm going out yeah. on a Friday night. I'm going to go out and have a good time. I don't need to study because if I got an A, what does it matter to me? Yeah, I'm not going to get an A because someone else is going to take some of my points. So at what point, in it, to continue this, at what point did those kids that were doing well stop trying? And if they stop trying, how is society better served by them not pushing themselves, by them not wanting to learn, by them not actually living up to their full potential? How are we better served by some kid 10 years from now saying, well, it doesn't matter, I just won't bother studying, I won't bother learning? Then we all just become dumber. But then we'll all be equal. We'll all be equally dumb because the kids that could do well don't do well. Because why should they? Because none of theirs get recognized. Well, what would you say to the person that used, let's say, you as an example? And Uh-oh. you got discouraged in school because you had uh, difficulty with reading or uh, whatever, whatever it was that, you know, was a challenge for you, right? And you saw mm-hmm. these kids around you all excelling, all doing, you know, better than you. And it made you feel really badly. I mean, you, you wanted to do well, but it was just a, a hurdle that you couldn't get over sometimes. So to not have more, um, not to have, not have more evidence that everybody's doing better than you, would that have helped you at all to say, okay, I am, this is a level playing field. I'm, I'm as good as anybody else. I, I, I'm not, you know, continuing to feel beaten down by the fact that I just can't excel here. Would, yep. would it have made a difference to you? No, I was, it doesn't work as an analogy for me, Sherry. I was so far gone when it came to school that none of that mattered. But what, what mattered to me was athletics. So I used to see, you know, somebody when it was in the track team and, you know, who's going to run the four by 400, who's going to run the four by 100. And I would just try harder at practice to pick up my pace and pick up my baton um, passing because I wanted to run in the first heat. So I was doing everything I could to be a better athlete because I kept thinking, well, that's going to be my ticket to college. <laughs> like I could do well in college, but at least I would do better. Go down to the weight room and lift weights and squats and rush and squats and run, 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 and train, train, train to be able to get a scholarship. I got a scholarship to run the 800 in some crappy college, but then when I cheated on my SATs, I took it back. But I I used athletics and I used the faster kids. I was running after trying to catch the faster kids. If I was, if I had the ability to do schoolwork, I might have been inspired by these other kids to, to do better. And maybe that helps. But again, when you just, when you want everybody to feel good, you will have people feeling good about themselves, but it's nothing that they've earned. You're bestowing upon them. And you're also feeling sorry for you. You're pitying this person. Don't pity them. Expect more of them. Tragic. I hope those teachers and I hope that principal and I hope those superintendents lose their job. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye, because you're dumbing down the world in order to make everybody feel equal, which they is won't. impossible. They, no? they won't, because, well, no, they're they're on, uh, you know, <laughs> on as far as what the world is telling us, they're actually doing the right thing now by doing all the DEI stuff. So, no, they're going to be protected. They're not going to... They're not going to lose their jobs now. This lawsuit could go through, and it could cost them some money. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't. I don't think they'll. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to suffer any kind of serious uh, repercussions on this. Yeah, that's tragic. And by expecting less from some other student, they will deliver less. But if you expect more from somebody, and you help them, and you guide them, and you just tell them they can do it, and then you work with them, and you challenge them, that's where the growth occurs. Not bringing everybody else down. Sad. That's what I try to do with this show, with Andrew and Jacob and you. I try to, you know, just coach you up, right? <laughs> yes, and thank you for that. We are inspired every single day. You too, Nate. Yeah. Get off the hook. I'm watching you over there. Oh, the I know you are. Track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Sherry. Well done. I will. Right after I take my car to Bucky's, Bucky's Auto Service Centers, they've got 16 locations. They've been around for, seems like they should be having a birthday. This is a birthday, I think, is in uh, March. They'll be around for 53 years. The best place to kick that car of yours is the Bucky's, Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Take the car over there to Bucky's. All right. Um, I had seen this story. The U.K. did a study on uh, loneliness and depression, and they found that people over the age of, say, they call them pensioners there, Sherry. Um, over the end of the 60s, or as you refer to them as oldies, I think you called them oldies <laughs> earlier in the show, uh-huh. that uh, they set up this thing called the Golden Phone, which was just volunteers working a phone line, answering the phones every single day. The phone would ring, and they'd be on there just talking to old people, just checking in. Sometimes they would even call them at home and ask, how are you doing, and what are you doing today? And the people would just chit-chat on the phone. And apparently, after the study was done some five years later, it did re- reduce anxiety and loneliness, and there was just a sense that somebody was out there that cared about you. I would love to call somebody in England every single day just because I love the English voice and the accent and stuff and just chatting with somebody about whatever's happening in the life. And then the Wall Street Journal comes along and finds out that uh, this could be it. They found the radical cure for loneliness, and it is the phone call. It's the phone call, and they're finding that people are having to schedule these phone calls because we're all very busy and we're all used to texting and there is nothing terribly fulfilling or satisfying about a text. Uh, Somebody brought up the fact that, you know, you really don't know what's going on in somebody's life with the text. You'll say, how are you doing? Everybody, you're not going to go into a long dissertation on a text. Oh, I hate everything. It's going to be more, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm fine. Just to sort of get through the, the interaction. But there was a couple examples of some women who schedule these calls with their girlfriends and they make it a point to connect with them on the phone once a week, once a month, whatever it is to, to really catch up. And it makes them feel better. It makes them feel less, less lonely because getting together is sometimes tough. You know, if you have a family and you have uh, obligations and a full-time job, Finding time to go out to dinner with someone, finding time to go out to lunch can be tricky. But a phone call, you don't have to leave your house. And you can still have the satisfaction of, of having a, um, you know, something meaningful going on between you. 
Mm. Yeah, I. Uh, it's finding the time for it. I do find that I do text somebody saying, hey, I'd love to give you a call. Can I call you, you know, at 9 o'clock to th- this morning or whatever? And to chat on the phone. I was going through my voice messages, d- deleting a whole bunch. Some I don't want to delete. I've got my dad in there, my mom in there. And I found one from my father. He said, hey, I thought you were going to call me back. Call me back. I was like, oh, God. Because I used to, when I, you know, when your parents are there, I'd say, ah, okay, I'll get back to him later. Because if you'd always call with some, hey, I've been watching the news, yeah, come up with some theory or something. And now I think I, I should have called him on those. I did call him later, but, you know, I probably didn't call him back for three or four days, or he'd have to call me. Or you look down at your phone. You went through this year. You look down at your phone, and it's your mom or your dad on the phone. You're like, oh, oh boy, there's 20 minutes, <laughs> no, gonna, right? Is this going to be good news or bad news, right? <laughs> right. But the phone call, and now I enjoyed doing uh, FaceTime. So I'll FaceTime, uh, I FaceTime my friend John Stoffel today. We're goofing off, just pulling, you know, just chit-chatting. It's just so much better. But, yeah, it, the simple phone call. There's a great article today in the Wall Street Journal as well about uh, time. And when you, if you can slow time down um, or speed time up, it depends. If you're having a good time, it goes rapidly when you're having a boring or bad time it's not so much fun and the experiment they did they showed people pieces of cake on the screen beautiful cakes and they would ask them you know after they'd show the cake on the screen for a while how long you look at the screen for and they had to write it down and then they would show them a rock on the screen just there just plain old stone just sort of sitting there and it was amazing how people were like uh, I think I was staring at the rock for like 40 minutes, 40 seconds. And how long are you looking at the cake for? I think 15 seconds. And it was just amazing that when you're bored or whatever it is, things just take a lot longer. But as you're having a good time and you're enjoying yourself, time seems to go so much faster. And in this article, maybe we'll talk about it again tomorrow more in depth about how you can actually slow time down. So you don't fail, you don't feel the anxiety, and you're able to enjoy more of it. But I, I'm all in on the phone call, except if you're trying to call customer service. This is the bane for many when you do finally get through to customer service and you are trying to get it over and you want to just get to a human being. And now TikTokers have explained how you can work around it. We actually have them working around it on this one. Uh, she explains it. Oh, she does. Okay. So it's the customer service hack as they say hang on this is how to get around it now how to hotwire a hyundai about a month ago i discovered a way to get through customer service lines in less than two minutes and talk to a real person and not wait on hold for hours and hours time is money in my business and when i'm waiting on hold with expedia or american delta verizon at&t they're literally wasting my time when i only have one question to ask them this information i'm going to share with you is definitely going to save you a lot of time and literally 90 percent of the time i get through in less than two minutes and they help me and i'm on my way let's say you call american airlines or is it just me, or does she seem to be either a piece of cake or talking very quickly? She's talking very quickly. Well, okay. Fargo, you call up the customer service number, you get to the main menu, and you click zero pound, zero pound, zero pound, and you go all the way through to a customer service rep just like that. This little piece of information has saved me so much time and aggravation and frustration, so I try it out, and it worked about 90% of the time, and only on the larger companies. Zero pound, zero pound, zero pound, and you'll get through. Her name is Liz, the music manager, and um, she was responding to, I guess she's got a fairly uh, 
robust TikTok following. Uh, mm. What is a piece of information that you learned that feels illegal to know? And oh. she presented this life hack saying, oh, this is this is something everybody needs to know if they have to call a big company to get through mm-hmm. to customer service. Zero pound, zero pound, that, zero pound, zero pound, zero pound. If you don't, then you end up like this guy. Technical support. My name is Mark. How are you doing today? I am absolutely. I am. I am your worst nightmare. I am calling extension three five seven five over and over and over and over again to reach Michelle, who said to call her there. She wants to talk to me. She's been dealing with my situation for two days now, and I've been on the phone for three hours trying to reach her. And every time I call that number, I get your department. And none of you knows what the talking about. What kind of a situation is this? Yeah, I'm so sorry about that, sir. Uh, could I get the phone number on your account? Why? The last two people asked for the phone number put me on hold and never came back. I'm so I would ask you why. <laughs> zero pound, zero pound, zero pound, dude. <laughs> Oh my god. It is maddening, I have to tell you. It is mad it, it there it's almost like they do it on purpose. And when uh-huh. you and you're sitting there and then you get disconnected and then they oh. ask you the same questions and they still want to know your account number or let oh. me do uh, and it, it uh, Oh. I I can't imagine you how You want to be like Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. You are. I don't know. I mean, I can you imagine the hilarity that ensues in the call centers when they make fun of people that that lose it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's great. Dying your worst nightmare. Absolutely. Worst nightmare. That guy, you know, he's hung in there with him. Ay, ay, ay. That crazy story that happened to me in Scotland. I was calling American Express, and they canceled my car. But we don't have time for it. We got people through the traffic. Hold on. There's Nate right over there in the Beacon Plumbing traffic desk. And they get rid of all the holiday stuff's gone away for a little while. All the Valentine's things are gone. Going into the dry period when it comes to holidays here. Some uh, great reenactments going on. Reenactors that are involved in jousting and stuff like that. Sherry, you been involved in that sort of thing? I, I am uh, notorious for having a very negative attitude about Renaissance festivals <laughs> and the medieval times. I just, I'm sorry. I can't get into it. I know people that have gotten married at Renaissance festivals. They do the whole thing. They got the outfits. I mean, it just... I don't know what it is about it that I find so annoying, but, um, hmm. and I've been a bunch of times. I, I even covered it on TV show, everything. I dressed up as like a princess with a, you know, little wreath on my head or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, mm-hmm. yeah. just can't, uh, can't relate. Are you a, a big consumer of the, uh, of the Renaissance medieval times set? Mad, my lord. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> okay. What say thee, lass? Uh, I am as well derived with 
if not with vantage to Demetrius. <laughs> I don't think you have any idea what you just said. I do. <laughs> Off with okay. her. Did you did you participate in one of them? Uh, no, I got sucked into, because a friend of mine, there was a girl I liked until I saw her without any makeup on and with one of those big bustle things in her back and she had that hair and the the thing in her, and then all of a sudden I was like, ugh, but I already committed there the whole weekend. It was, um, Civil War reenactors. Oh, well, Just even worse. Oh, God. <laughs> even worse. And I, and I realized, I thought, I gotta just, I'm gonna have to come down. Cause I don't want to participate. I don't want to drink the grog. I don't want to do the thing. I don't want to like shine this stupid cannon thing or whatever we were doing and pushing it around. Then I just, I, I noticed I, I, I'm just gonna get dysentery. So I just got, I just kept saying I had dysentery. So I just spent the entire weekend in a tent smoking pot. That's a better choice. I, I went to somebody's house one time. He was a casting director, and he had a party. And I really wanted to. I mean, I, I I wanted to, you know, be impressive and 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 be friends with him so I could possibly get work. And so he and his wife were big Civil War reenactors. And um, mm. he they took us the couple of us up to their room where they had all the outfits and everything. And he said he said you know these coats weigh the, the coats weigh like forty pounds you know. And he said so here you got to try one on. So he puts this coat on me that collapses me practically. And I'm standing there and I don't want to sit on the bed because I'm afraid I'll hurt the coat because it's, I don't know what it is, it's made of something special. Yes. And so I'm standing there and like my shoulders are completely collapsed and I never got any work from him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently they're on strike, Sherry. So you won't be like, you're one of the one, the medieval, there's, there's different towns that'll do this. Yes. And we go to a medieval feast and they're handing around giant things of like turkey legs and everybody's eating with their hands and, um, passing around grog. And there's got a great big table there and everybody's like, well, there's a wenches and lasses and this and that and my lord and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, apparently <clears throat> the jousters are on strike. What are they striking for? They're striking for more money, and they're striking for a, a couple of, of different things. They unionized in Buena Park, California, and in New Jersey. So they're not mm -hmm. getting quite the response that they want. So there's a couple of people that are saying, you know, the trumpet players need to make more money. Um, you know, we're not, we're irreplaceable, which is not necessarily true. Um, but the, in this National Review article, they point out that for a family of four, it costs about $232 for a family of four to go to this thing. It's expensive. So if they raised it up to more than minimum wage, which is like 15 bucks an hour for some of these, you know, low lower payers, not the people that are doing stuff with horses that are highly skilled at what uh -huh. they do, that can you imagine how much the price would go up? I mean, it'd be like 400 bucks for a family of four to go to this thing. Um, can't you pay them in, you know... I don't know, crow's teeth or something. <laughs> yes. Did you do? Really did you character. do it? They have this falcon that they set off in the into the thing, and the falcon flies around. I was terrified of it. Yep. And it kind of swoops down yeah. and swoops ugh. in. Yep. Yep. Did that. But again, if you're gonna do the Civil War thing, just get um, get dysentery early on. They kept checking on me. Private. 
Private, are you okay in there? I'm like, oh, yeah, still. <laughs> so they give you like a, a <laughs> copper cup of water or something? Some, some not very modern, <laughs> no Pepto-Bismol, no Imodium. Yes. They just gave you like some weird strange. Like sticks and leaves. They all, yeah. you know, churned up in some little right. handmade bowl. Or, or drinking yeah. out of somebody's boot. Yeah, that'll help. Did yeah. they ask you if... Bring it if, right out of your boot. they ask if your, your tent being filled with smoke was a, was a symptom of your disease? I was trying to... See me just smoke it out. Yeah. Smoke it out of you. I don't know what accent I'm doing there, but I, I'm delirious for thinking that dysentery. Mm. Oh, my God. Uh, it's hard. And everybody smells bad. Let's be honest. All right? Let's just be honest. They well, yeah, because they wear the same costumes. They can't wash those things every day, so they're all sweaty and walking around. And boy, we are just we're just <laughs> we're just shucking people away from the show. We spent the first half hour making fun of old people, <laughs> the oldies in the in the Renaissance Fair the attendees. Those are our biggest demos. Yeah, 